0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 153 with two guests this time. First time ever, we got Guy and Elon Ferdman. They are two adventurous brothers on a quest to help people with their personal development and it's a whole lot of fun to get their insight here. So you're gonna learn one, how perception creates meaning and motivation, two, the 22 minutes that could change your life and three, key questions that can boost your confidence. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items referenced here, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep153. While you're there at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you sign up for cool stuff like our gold nugget summary insights where we take the notes for you on each of the guests with their top takeaways or the 10 days to winning at work email course all about ways to slash waste out of your work week and liberate time. And if you say, Pete, I'm not gonna remember to go over to awesomeatyourjob.com later on in the day, well, you can sign up right from your phone. If you text NUG, N-U-G, to the number 444-999, you can sign up that way. Please don't text while driving though. So if you text NUG, N-U-G to three fours and three nines, you can get the gold nugget email list that way. Here is the story with Guy and Elon. Guy and Elon Ferdman are brothers and co-founders of Satori Prime, a personal development company on a mission to help people reach a 10 out of 10 in every area of their lives. Previously, they were head coaches with Landmark Education and executives in both finance and real estate. Here's Guy and Elon. Guy and Elon, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
1: What's up, brother? How you doing? Pleasure.
0: Oh, it's so fun. This is the first time we've had two at once. It's a double portion. And I'm excited. <laughs> well, could you share with us first of all? So your company's called Satori Prime, which sounds cool, but you know, what's that mean? What's the backstory behind it?
2: Oh, it's a good first question. It's a funny little story. So at the time when we started in this space, everyone was saying something like work with so-and-so or their theirname.com. So with names like Ferdman as a last name, which is not a very sexy name, work with Guy <laughs> and Elon Ferdman didn't sound so great. So we're like, okay, we need a company name. We always loved the word Satori. Satori means a moment of instant enlightenment.
0: Oh, I love that word already. Is it Japanese? Where's it from?
2: It is. It's Japanese. It's a moment of instant enlightenment. Yeah. And I I don't know why, like I read it a long time ago. It just sounded kind of like a songy word. It just Uh had like this nice ring to it. And at the time, this is the funny part, at the time we had literally just seen Transformers. Both my brother and I grew up with Transformers as kids. Just loved it.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think I see. Okay.
2: (laughs) We're like Optimus Prime, Prime, you know, like it just had this, and we put it together. We're like, wow, that has a really, really good ring to it. So that's it. That's how we called it Satori Prime. And the, the funny part was about three and a half months later, we're doing a training and someone's like, what does your name mean? And I was like, you know what? I never actually looked at the word prime. And so I pull it up on Google, I like I type in definition, and it's a state or time of greatest strength, vigor, or success in a person's life. And we're just like, Wow. Mm -hmm. Of all the dumb luck things that we've done in our lives, that's pretty good. So Satori Prime means a moment of enlightenment to a state or time of greatest strength, figure of success.
0: Oh, that is so good. (laughs) That's way better than I thought it sounded cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And it actually perfectly describes what we do and what our company function is. And yeah, so it's kismet
0: for sure. What I also think it makes sense is You know, you two have undergone quite the quest for mastery, which I think just really resonates for what I'm about and what listeners here are about. Kind of what is maybe the brief version of that tale and what kind of drives you in your explorations?
1: Look, for us, well, I could speak for me and I think Elon would mirror this for sure. At 19, I went and started working in the personal development world on myself and through my teen years, like many people, I'm sure was like depressed and suicidal and just really vibrated at mostly like anger and annoyance. That was like my go-to mode. And without going into all the details of the experience that led me into personal development, my went took this class called uh,
0: Landmark Forum. Oh yeah, I do that too. Inventing possibilities and such. That's
1: right. And for me, that was just really, really new concepts, especially at that age. And I think for most people, you know, probably well into their 50s, 60s and 70s, those are still pretty new concepts. Anyway, I had a really radically transformed experience at that event. And I just, you know, by Saturday evening, having gone through the program yourself, you probably know what I'm talking about, just started being completely different. Like I had a Satori moment on Saturday night of that course. So that kind of set off this path of about 10 years of mastery work and conscious languaging, neuroscience, NLP, and, you know, all sorts of like phenomenology, ontological type of experiences and education. And then over the last four years, I moved to California and kind of went from doing a lot of very neuroscience-y type work to really exploring uh, subconscious reprogramming and really exploring like the psychonaut type of stuff and really digging into what does it take to reprogram the body and the mind, put them into union. And that's kind of been our deep dive work for the last four years. And I think what Elon and I are really, really good at is taking just high end spiritual concepts and making them very like palatable for consumption for really like the everyman. So you don't have to go and maybe have these big experiences, but we can definitely um, give access to what it looks like to start living that way.
0: Okay, that's cool. And so you're big on the phrase in your messaging all over the place getting a 10 out of 10 in every area of your life. And so I like that you know, conception, first of all. So could you maybe share with us, what do you mean by 10? And what would a 10 maybe look like in a person's career life?
2: So a 10 is someone in a career life or in every area of life. One of the things that we strive for is to have people be fully, and I mean fully like out there, freedom, self-expression. And I think there is, uh, which it's amazing that your audience, we were talking about this before, that your audience actually loves their jobs, Mm -hmm. um, which is a, a rarity nowadays. I just, for me, a 10 is when you get to wake up every day and you're doing what it is that you love to do, that it bleeds out of you, that it becomes effortless, that it's not work, it's you pursuing a career and a passion, more than a career, almost like a mission or a calling, however that looks. And look, I'm not saying that for every single person, it needs to be this massive, like I'm going to change the world and impact 100 million people and such and such. It can really be that, hey, I'm an attorney and I love being an attorney or I'm a doctor and I love being a doctor. I just think to be in a place where, you know, 80% of our lives roughly, say 70 to 80% of our lives is going to be spent at this point in time in a task that is going to be creating some sort of income. And to do that just for money, and not in the pursuit of mastery and passion, I think is very limited in thought. And I think given the technologies that we have today, the opportunities that we have today, it is fully accessible to everyone. So I love that your audience is pursuing that and finding that whatever their
1: ventures are. Yeah, and I think part of the reason I like that we chose that moniker, the have-it-all moniker, is that you kind of get to fill in the blank. Elon and I can't define for anybody what it means to have it all or what a life of 10 over 10 means. Well, when we looked out at the space, especially in like the entrepreneurial, like quote-unquote, guru, like the Gary V's of the world and whatnot, And if you know like some of these guys personally, we saw they might have like amazing businesses, but then their relationships are taking hits or they have great relationships at the cost of their business. And it seemed to us that, you know, for us, like spirituality is just creating balance, which means like health balance, work life, you know, like work life travel balance. Your relationships are in a place that create joy in your life. They're not de-energizing you, they're energizing you and helping you grow. So I think everybody gets to define what that means for them. And Elon and I just have uh, clientele that is interested in creating that kind of balance. And they really do want to interweave these different areas of life. Because I remember before we had started our business, and I don't mean this in like an inauthentic way, but I would kind of be one way with my friends, a little bit different with my family, a little bit different in my work life, you know, just kind of modulate who I was being. And I remember when we started the business, one of my key breakthroughs was kind of tearing down the walls between those Three different areas, or there could be more, I'm sure. But I started seeing that if I wasn't working on my relationships, my business wasn't where I wanted it to be. If I wasn't working on my business, my friendships weren't where I wanted it to be. And suddenly it just became about just being in life and like enjoying life in every way that I possibly could. And really, I just wanted to be myself everywhere and never have to, you know, show up in a way that didn't make me feel proud of who I was being.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that resonates here. And that's why we've gone really sort of deep at times with, say, sleep doctors, because it shows up in your career at all over the place, mm-hmm. that interrelationship there. And so... I want to kind of hit one quick question, first of all, which was, you mentioned that a 10 out of 10 career looks like, you know, you love it, it just pours out of you effortlessly and you're, you feel like you're connected to a mission or a calling and that's cool. I dig that. And I'm wondering though, at times, you know, there are components of your career, even if you're own your own thing, that aren't so much fun. Maybe it's preparing the stuff for the tax man or or whatever. (laughs) And so I'd love to know, sort of in the heat of things, when you're in the midst of a particular task, which isn't so much fun, do you have any tactics for bringing forward the fun and energy in that context as well?
2: All right, so let's look at like menial tasks. And by the way, menial tasks aren't just in work, they're in everyday life, right? The difference is, your perception. So if you can line up a hundred people who go about their day, there are tons of things. Every single person is going to have a different perception. So I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but a guy walks up to somebody who's laying brick and he's like, what are you doing? And the guy's like, and he's miserable and he's upset and he's kind of like moody. And he goes, I'm building a wall. He walks down around to the corner, sees this other guy whistling, happy, doing the same exact task. And he's like, sir, what are you doing? He's like, I'm building a cathedral. And the point is that if your vision of what it is that you are doing, and that's why I said it's, to me, having a tenant in that aspect of your life is mission-based, it's impact-based. If you're doing something to get a paycheck, then all the menial things are going to come in the way and piss you off. If you're doing something on mission, then doing your tax returns, you know, like for me paying taxes, I'm like excited to pay taxes. Why? Because I know I've done good work. I just think whatever your perception is of that task or your end game makes things much better. So I'll give you like a completely other side of the spectrum example. People always want to lose weight. There's not a single person that's listening right now that hasn't wanted to lose at least a gram. Mm
0: -hmm. All right.
2: Everyone knows how to lose weight. It's not a secret, right? There's like a seven, I don't know how many billion dollar industry around losing weight. It's not a secret. You exercise, you eat healthy, you'll lose weight. Now, what happens when someone has a wedding to go to or, you know, summer's around the corner and they know they got to get into bathing suit shape? Isn't it amazing how naturally the things that they do, even the things that piss them off, all of a sudden are exciting to them? Like going to the gym, there's a purpose, they're excited. So all of it depends on your perspective and what you're living into in that future. Otherwise, you can get pissed about everything in life. I mean, that's just the way the human mind works. It looks for the negative side of things all the time. It's are you willing to? shift that such that you can be empowered. And here's why I think that's really important. At the end of the day, I can ask a million people this and everyone will tell me the same answer. If you're in a shitty mood, does anything good ever manifest from that? Do you magically create amazing things in your life when you are pissed off and not happy? No, it's impossible. You create Amazing things in your life when you feel awesome, when you feel amazing. And so that's your choice moment by moment. Your perspective creates that feeling for you. And if you don't feel awesome in that moment, then just know that you're fine being there. It's just going to give you a certain reality that
0: you get to live into. Mm -hmm. I hear you. So then, in the heat of battle, then, if you will, like right there Mm -hmm. in that moment, I'm thinking you're saying it's all about reconnecting then to the mission, to the purpose. Do you have any samurai questions to help <laughs> quickly reorient that?
2: I'll make it super, super simple. The bigger the why, the easier the how. So for me, there are certain things that I have put myself out there. Guy and I, so our mission, just so you guys know, is 100 million people's lives transformed by the year 2020. Now, some people would be like, what the, how, where? And you know what? We don't know how or where either. The thing is that that goal, when I don't feel like it, when I have to get on a coaching call or when I'm not feeling healthy or whatever it is, I know that I've created an out there that pulls me. I've chosen and I've said I'm responsible for that. People are relying on me to show up that way. And sometimes in the moments where I want it the least and I show up, and this might be your experience also, you actually get more gold in doing that, like getting through that mumbles in your head about, oh, I don't feel like it today. I'm just off today, blah, blah, blah. And then you show up and everything changes because when you're there for others, when you're actually there pursuing that mission, whatever your mission is, there's incredible energy. When you get past those things that generally hold everybody back and the people that I know are the most successful, they know how to get out of their own way. So just little things like if I don't feel like it or if life gets me down or I'm doing things that I'm not that engaged in, I'm always looking at the bigger picture. What is this cog part of, right? Am I building my cathedral? Am I building a wall? Mm. And just simple tools like 5,000-year-old methodology has been handed down to us called meditation. I know some people are like, oh, it's so woo-hoo, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing what's happening in the world. Corporate America is buying into this. There's so much science to support just five, 10 minutes a day of sitting in silence, what that will do to you. So when you feel those moments and that arises, take that five minutes, close your eyes, put on some music, a track that you like, do whatever it takes and then get back to that which you know is the big picture. And then you'll do great.
0: Okay, well, you said meditation, and I was gonna ask you, so let's go here now. So, you know, we've had Dan Harris talk about meditation in a previous episode, that was awesome, as well as some other real lovers and believers. So Mm -hmm. do you have any kind of pro tips for folks who are are thinking, by golly, I keep hearing meditation's a thing I should do. Where where do they start? (laughs) I yeah. love the by golly.
1: <laughs> by golly. Uh, we will, uh, you know, it's a major thing we advocate for our students. What we often see in the beginning for people is just meditation is not a matter of really doing anything, which is hard for people who are extremely logic based, understanding based. And that's really just trained minds in the Western world around, okay, well, what do I need to do when I meditate? And it really is just much more about being in silence and just seeing kind of what arises when you meditate, what you may find is that, you know, emotions that you normally stuff down and you don't let yourself really process and feel them kind of arise to the surface and show up. And if you get stuck, okay, what do I need to do when that shows up? Well, really all you need to do is just let it express itself. So it has an opportunity to move through and transmute, right? Like all energy is just looking to move from one place to another. And generally speaking, our resistance to what's showing up, like an emotional state that we feel that we're not supposed to be feeling, we kind of stuff it back down. And that's just you know programming for how we're raising kids today and we won't get into all that. But let's just kind of in a more practical sense, I personally think that one of the huge key components for creating massive transformation in your day-to-day feeling, and I mean specifically about just vibrating in a place of passion, and a place of alignment, stuff like that, is having some kind of morning routine that would encapsulate having meditation in there and also a meditation every evening. So what we guide people to do is work your way up to 22 minutes of meditation, both morning and night. In the morning, you want to focus on creating internal alignment. And in the evening, you want to focus on activation, so like transformative activation. So what that might look like is there's an amazing app. There's actually two, but I'll recommend using the Calm app. It's either in your Droid or iOS store. It's free. They also have a paid version, but that's a great way to get started. So if you've never done any sort of meditation and you just want guided meditation, that's really wonderful. And then, bro, you have to help me with Vision's last name because I always forget it. Lakiani. Lakiani. Thank you. Of Mind Valley, he's got a really great six-phase meditation that's about 25 minutes long. I think those are two really great places to get started. And look, what might show up, like anytime you're taking something new on, is I don't get what's happening. This is a struggle for me. I'm a little bit frustrated. It might even overwhelm you. And we see all of our students, some who just enjoy it right away. And they're like, yes, I love meditation. I feel calmer every day. I feel clearer every day. I feel more inspired every day. And then there's the ones that are like, I don't get this going on. This isn't working for me. This is very frustrating. And we're always like, okay, just stick with it, right? Like, just let that go, stick with it, keep in the practice. And then like 30 to 45 days later, they're the ones that are posting in the group like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So it really is just kind of getting beyond that. You know, for Elon and I, we have pretty rigorous morning routines. We don't wake up to a lot of stimulus. I don't check my newsfeed in the morning. I don't look at the news in the morning. I don't look at the news at all, but I don't look at the news. I don't turn on the TV. I don't even have a TV anymore. It's really about letting in as little psychic energy as possible from the world and just kind of being with yourself and just seeing what's in these quiet spaces. So I really recommend just you know investing some time in a little bit of reading every morning just to put in new input so you can get new output. Meditation, and then just something that makes you feel good. You know, if you like to dance, dance. If you like to sing, sing. If you like to do some kind of art, whether it's writing or painting or sketching, whatever it is, just allow yourself to experience your creativity. I think most of Western culture is extremely stuck in left brain thinking. For those that don't know, really how the brain works, left brain is very logical. You know, very male-oriented type doing, and then the right brains and the creative, the feminine, the fierceness and all that kind of stuff and if you want to create more balance in your biomechanical system you do want to be you know consciously choosing ways to activate both and we just find that that creates a whole new world of opportunity in terms of how people feel and you know it's kind of been a theme on this interview about just staying in like a positive not even frame of mind but like a positive vibration within your body you know simple rule of thumb you feel good good things happen you feel bad bad things happen
0: all right and so i must follow up you said 22 minutes which is my number where does that come from
1: Um, yeah, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's our number (laughs) two. 22 is a lot of people's numbers. There is a spiritual significance to that number. That's what our practice is. I'm telling anyone,
2: I know when you're thinking like, I'm going to start 22 minutes, holy moly, like I don't have that time. You don't have to do that. Like seriously get a calm app, C-A-L-M. They have five, 10 minute meditations. Just start with that. The time thing That will come later. The first thing is like, you need to see the results of it. And so one of the things that we have people in our community do is we have them sign up for a 30-day meditation challenge. The compounding effect of it is really what's magical. And so here's what we've noticed. People will do a 30-day meditation challenge. After that 30 days, whether in like the next week or the week after, inevitably, they won't meditate, right? Like, oh, I can skip a day, whatever. They skip a day. Then they go to work. And everyone pisses them off. Like (laughs) everything is annoying to them. And they're like, man, I haven't felt like this. Oh, I didn't meditate today. And that tends to be the last day that they don't meditate.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's cool. The voice of experience there. (laughs) Very nice. Well, Shucks, I want to make sure we also get a chance to hear when it comes to limiting beliefs and confidence I know you guys have done a lot of work there and I think that's something that shows up a lot in terms of in a workplace, folks feel, you know, nervous or scared or embarrassed about, you know, stepping out or speaking their mind or disagreeing. What to take here?
2: Is there like a specific thing that you think your audience has a limiting belief of?
0: Let's just say the belief is something like my ideas are not as brilliant as others or I don't belong here.
2: Oh, that's so good. So good. Okay. I'm going to tackle the I don't belong here first. All right. And then I'm going to write my ideas don't matter. And they both kind of stem from the same place. I know a lot of your audience probably goes to different networking events or different rooms all the time and meetings, etc. When Guy and I were starting to build our business, I walked into a room of, I think, pretty much everyone there. Everyone was at least a seven-figure earner, and there were some even eight, and there was one nine-figure earner in there. And I remember at the time, we were just kind of like cracking the multi-six-figure range, things like that. And I remember walking in there going, "What the hell am I doing in this room right now? I don't belong here. Now, the first thing you want to become very, very cognizant of and this is just a tool. I want you guys, I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to give you this tool the thing that speaks that to you and the thing that you hear in your head, if you could imagine that who's talking to you is a five, six, seven-year-old version of you. So if you could imagine you're like walking into the room and right before you walk into the room, you look down at the six-year-old and you ask him, hey, we're about to walk into this room. How should we act? Now to a six-year-old, everything is scary in the world, right? Like You imagine walking to a networking event or asking somebody on a date, it doesn't really matter. That six-year-old is terrified. Now, my question to you is, would you ever ask a six-year-old how to operate a networking situation? You'd never. And yet, this is what we do. Because as adult as we get and however many years we've grown age, the thing that runs us, the voice in your head, has stayed very, very young. It's like a very, very, very old operating system that we still try to use today. So the first thing you want to do is just be aware that that is noise in your head. That's just a conversation of a six-year-old. And if you could just get that, you already now have a choice. And that choice is, do I get to walk in there with that as my pre-frame? Or do I get to choose one that empowers me that when I go in there, I can actually make a difference for these people? So that's step one. The second thing, so once I heard that, I was like, well, and this is a question you can ask yourself. Do I know that to be 100% true? Like, I don't belong in this room. Do I know that to be true? And here's where it gets really interesting. If you actually investigate that, you'll know that if you're there anywhere, you are perfectly supposed to be there. However, you got to that situation or that place or whatever, you're exactly supposed to be there. You belong by the virtue of you being in that room. Everything after that, all of the stuff that runs in your head, that's just shit that you're making up. And if you could honestly stand in a place of like, I belong in this room, how much better are the conversations you're going to get to have with people if you can sideline those conversations of I don't belong or I'm not smart enough to be in this room or I'm not worthy to be in this room, et cetera. If you just knew that every place and every room and every situation that you walked into you were meant to be there, that would alter everything for you. Mm-hmm. To spin that to your other point, like my ideas don't matter. Well, if you're in that room and someone asks you for your idea or you're in that room and you've sat back and not given your idea because what's happening in your head is probably like, oh, John is so much smarter than me or Sue always has the best ideas. Like someone else the, will
1: answer it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. the
2: point, right? Right. That's squelching your Mm self-expression, which I would assert is stopping your fulfillment and love of that situation, right? Now, again, if you go back to the thing that's speaking that like, oh, don't say that. They're all going to laugh or they're going to think you're stupid or whatever it is. That's because at some point, maybe you were seven, 10, 12, you raised your hand. You thought you were going to give this amazing answer, It was totally wrong. The teacher laughed at you. The kids laughed at you. And you're like, I'm never going to do that again. Mm -hmm. And then that's what's been running the show for you for decades for most of us. And so if you just get, look, the world isn't going to show up differently until you start responding differently, right? No one gets six-pack abs by sitting on a couch. You have to go to the gym. You have to start eating healthy. You have to start reprogramming a lot of these thoughts and old, I mean, old, old operating systems that you've had that have been running the show. And if they don't serve you, that's the ultimate question. Does this thought serve me? So the question is, does a thought like I don't belong or I can't make a difference or they won't listen to me. Does that thought serve you? And the next question is, do I know this to be absolutely true? And there's nothing that you can come up with that is absolutely true. 100% of the time That is impossible. And so when you get to that place, you're like, okay, well, if that doesn't serve me, what's something that I can put in place that would serve me? You know, my opinions matter. I enjoy giving my opinions. And then what happens is you're going to say something and it will be received and it will go completely against any expectation that you had. And then you're going to go there and go, whoa, that went nothing like I expected it to. And over time, what you're doing is you're actually upgrading the operating system so that six-year-old who's terrified of speaking their mind will now look at it and go, oh, well, when we speak our mind, it's not the end of the world. Like, people actually enjoy that. Okay, let's do more of that. And that's how you just build that muscle over and over and over and just start creating a new life step by step by
1: step. You know, it takes those small Incremental shifts. And I think the simplest way for me to always operate and think about these things is just run an experiment. You know, if you've spent your whole life sitting in the back, being a wallflower, not expressing yourself growing up, I absolutely consider myself an introvert today. You know, I can get on stage and speak in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And that just really came from taking small steps to see that, hey, this isn't not safe. Like, you know, I'm safe to express myself when I open my mouth, it makes a difference for people. And, you know, it's just a little bit at a time. So it might just be, you know, starting with small shares or maybe like sharing with a colleague or something like that. But, you know, those little micro shifts definitely end up making macro differences.
0: I really love that notion about choosing your pre-frame. I remember when I was interviewing at Bain and I was so excited because this is my Mm -hmm. dream for years and I was freaking out like, oh, I really don't want to screw this up. You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. this isn't working for me. And so I decided my new frame was I'm going to have as much fun as possible engaging cool people solving some problems and sharing my perspective along the way and sure enough it made all the difference I had so much fun I wanted to keep doing more case interviews actually and when I did make a little boo-boo I was able to just kind of laugh at myself and I think that came across kind of quite appealingly to the interviewers like okay you know this guy he's coachable and he's not all defensive and weird about it okay cool
2: yeah I think that's so true Go ahead, bro. Yeah, I was just gonna say like that example is perfect. It just breaks. We have a vision of what reality should look like. And it's based on all these old programs. You reframe that you go out and you take those actions because they're consistent now with this new pre frame that you created. It produces excellent results, because it's a new way for you of being it's a new way of doing things. And then All of a sudden, now you come back and you're like, wow. So, all those years I thought X, Y, and Z. But in reality, like when I actually did it, it wasn't like that at all. In fact, I love doing it. And that leads to greater
1: and greater action ongoingly. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I also think it's charming. Like, it's charming when a person fumbles, right? But you're standing so firmly in who you are that you're not making yourself wrong. You just kind of can laugh it off. Like, if you watch somebody, trip on a crack, you know, in the middle of the street and it doesn't like throw off their aura. It doesn't ruin their day. And I think as Americans, actually, there's this really wonderful book called The Culture Code. And, you know, I think Americans don't expect perfection, but we love when people just like own up to their like charming qualities. I think if most of us checked in with our friends, like why they like you, the things that you tend to not like about yourself are some of the main reasons your friends love you. They think that stuff is charming. So, you know, it's like just giving ourselves space to be human and not expect perfection from ourselves. And you know, for anybody who's listening here, whether you're involved in personal or spiritual development of any kind, I truly believe that the number one disease on the planet is a lack of self-worth and self-love. And that all stymies from just like being kids and being told you know, like, boys don't cry and girls can't do this. And with all that programming just came a lot of you disabling yourself from thinking that you're allowed to feel certain things. And if you look at where self-worth like stymies from in the subconscious, if you're not willing to fully express or feel an emotion to the self-conscious, it's programming in, you're not even worthy of feeling this emotion. And mm-hmm. if you're not worthy of experiencing <laughs> your own emotions, then what are you actually worthy of, right? So then it's like, I want a million dollars or I want that raise. And it's like, no, well, your 20, 30 years of programming is going, you're not worthy. So your brain wants one thing, but the internal programming, which we're calling the subconscious mind, and it is partly in the mind, but a lot of it is actually the vibrational frequency of the body, is completely not in alignment with that. So I know I've kind of said this a bunch of times here, but a really amazing thing a practice, especially when you're meditating to do is as the emotions arise and they arise often, just notice how often we squelch things down. And you know, Wayne Dyer, so many spiritual leaders will say dis-ease, meaning when your body's out of ease, it's creating disease. So like cancer and so many of the stress problems that happen in the gut and different things like that is really just a matter of people unwilling to fully experience and feel their emotions.
0: Mm, That is so good. Thank you. Well, I want to make sure we get to hear a couple of your favorite things before we have to jump here. So can you, for starters, share a favorite book, something that you find inspiring and go to again and again? Oh, so many. (laughs) Um,
2: I'll tell you the one that's probably shifted my awareness the most in recent years is a book called The Surrender Experiment. It's by a guy named Michael Singer. He's been on Oprah. He's incredible. So he's got two, one called The Untethered Soul, one called The Surrender Experiment, both absolutely fantastic. Surrender Experiment is much more of his story of life. Talk about a reframe of how you think life is lived. When you read that book, it literally changes the way you view life. And I think one of the biggest, and I might get a lot of flag for saying this on this episode, I think one of the biggest misnomers or myths is that you have to work really hard to earn a living or that you have to work hard to be successful. And I'm not saying that you don't have to work. I'm saying there's a big difference between all these guys that are out there going like you have to hustle and you have to grind and you have all that stuff to working from inspiration, from inspired thought. And the book speaks about really being in the flow of life and letting that guide your decisions and what happens. And it is just even the most scientific and logic-brained people, this will absolutely expand your mind. In my opinion, it's one of the books I recommend everyone that joins
1: our community read. Mm. Um, and then I'll just throw two into the mix. Robert Green has an amazing book called Mastery, which I think is just a beautiful read, but it's also extremely insightful. And I think a lot of people who are dispassionate is because they've been convinced that if they're not good at something immediately, then they must just not have talent. I truly believe in, even if you look at the great men and women of the past, talent is always earned. There might have been like a strive or like you have a particular body that's you know better for a sport or something like that. But you know, all the greatest people we know in sports have all been the hardest worker in sports and the most disciplined and brought something new to the game. And I think when you start looking at the pattern recognition of what it takes to be masterful at something and kind of start living in a joyful manner that it doesn't have to be perfect, that you're going to be a student for a while, a practitioner, and it does take time to get mastery. So that's a really great one. And I think that couples really well. Carol DeWick mm-hmm. has a book called Mindset, which just creates a distinction between a fixed And growth mindset. And again, a lot of what we're talking about here is like, you know, how do you allow yourself to open back up to growth? And I think there's just a lot of joy in the discovery of new things all the time. You know, like children are in in discovery all the time. As we get older, we get obsessed with knowing. And that has a lot to do with the mechanism of the brain and its obsession with predictability for survival. So it's like it becomes safe to know. And then we're like, you know, unhappy and dispassionate. It's like, well, I know everything and I sound great (laughs) at dinner parties and I fight with everyone about my opinions, but I'm joyless. So it's like kind of like releasing some of that stuff to really open yourself back up to, oh, okay, it's kind of fun not to know and just to be in exploration all the time.
0: Oh, powerful. Thank you. And could you share with us maybe a favorite sort of articulation of some of your messages, something that when you share with coaching clients or others, it really seems to resonate and getting folks nodding their head, being like, whoa, that's awesome. Okay.
2: So one of the things that we've really shifted our coaching to, and this might just experiment with this, okay? A lot of people, and this kind of goes with the surrender experiment, a lot of people will If they have an issue, they're like, let me think through this. Let me think. Let me think. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. And they get trapped in this place of just thinking, 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 thinking thinking all the time. And once they make a decision, they're like, well, did I make the right decision? I want to hopefully share with you guys and make you aware that you have a guidance system inside of you, a very, very quiet guidance system. It's the guidance system that when you fell in love, it spoke. It's the guidance system that sometimes you walk into a room and you just, you're like, I cannot be in this room. And if someone asks you why, you wouldn't even know. You're like, I just can't be in there. To the most simple and mundane thing, like sometimes you'll put on an outfit before you have to go out to work and you're like, nope, wrong shirt. And you're like, where did that even come from? How do you know that it's the wrong shirt? Mm -hmm. And you just trust it. So what he talks about a lot in the surrender experiment is feeling it. Versus thinking it. So the way we say it is feel it through versus think it through. If you were to tap into that guidance system and use it as your new compass, and when you are whether you're going to take on a deal or not at work, or whether you're going to pursue some sort of action at work or not, instead of just constantly being in this world of thinking, 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 if you actually took time, like, does this opportunity feel good to me? All right. And very quickly, we all have this very quickly. You're going to know like, this feels good. Like I want to pursue this. And I'm not saying you're going to feel like, Oh my God, this is so easy. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that like, you don't have to do the work. It doesn't mean that any of that stuff, it just, there's this innate system. Like sometimes you'll get on the phone. We guy and I just had this happen. Like we get on the phone with someone and they're pitching us. They want to do work for us, et cetera, et cetera. And they could say all the right things. And my body's just like, no, just I don't feel like you're the right fit. And then lo and behold, like they'll do something a week or so later that proves exactly why they shouldn't have been there in the first place. So I would just recommend like play with that. It's the intuition, the gut, and see if you can develop that as a muscle. It will lead you to unexpectedly incredible results in your life.
0: Thank you. So tell me if folks want to learn more or get in touch and see what you're up to, where would you point them?
2: Easiest place is just head over to satoriprime.com. It's S-A-T-O-R-I prime.com. We also have a podcast called the Have It All podcast. And if you just search for us on Facebook, we do a ton of live content. We have a show that's run every Monday and Wednesday. So uh, whatever works for you, we're here to serve.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really fun, resonant, sort of eye opening stuff. I wish you lots of luck and keep on rocking. Thank you. I really dig that point about finding it charming when a person fumbles because that just sort of provides all kinds of cover to just be gentle with yourself and enjoy a moment of learning, of growing, of stretching beyond your capability. And if you screw up, it's all good. People might like you more for it. And that's just sort of a reassuring thought to have in your back pocket whenever you enter those situations where you're stretching a little bit. So once again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items that we referenced here, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com/ep153. I also hope you'll push this subscribe button so you'll be sure to hear from folks like our next guest, it's Tristan White. He has quite the claim to fame in terms of founding Australia's top company to work for as cited by some magazines. And he has some very intentional perspectives on what are those practices that make the workplace enjoyable. So I hope to catch you then, In peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.